Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and market service. Great to have your uh, have your company on this Wednesday afternoon. Time for the call. Ten shares that you recommend to experts. Delighted to have Andrew Page from Strawman back with us today as part of the team. Andrew, good to see you. Good to be here. And Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to have you aboard again. Good to be here. Yeah, can't wait. For the uh, next hour or so, you've given us some terrific stocks, uh, a really diverse group of stocks today. But I always choose one at the top of the uh, top of the hour. We call it the stock of the day, something that's in the news at the moment. What about Breville, um, the, a great Australian brand name, kitchen appliance manufacturer? Morgan Stanley says it could capture, this is Breville, there's little, not little, big Australian company now, could capture $3 billion of the $10 billion global kitchen appliance market. Uh, the broker has a buy on it with a target price of $28 and $60 by 2030. Now, obviously, it's had a pretty good rise on a thumbs up. <laughs> Morgan Stanley today, I think it's up about uh, about $0.80, cents, Andrew, around $23. But... Uh, Breville is a favourite of the call. Yeah. Lots of people ask about it. I can um, see why. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah. That, that's a pretty big ask from Morgan Stanley to get 30% of the global yeah. uh, kitchen appliance market. Yeah. Look, on, on paper, it's a business that I, I just wouldn't like at all. Right. You know, they, they're a manufacturer of essentially a commodity type product. There's this yep. wonderful saying in markets that I've always loved, which is in the long run, everything is a toaster, which is basically <laughs> to say, if you've got any technological advantage, don't expect it to last. Yeah. And so anyone can make a toaster, and which generally means that you have very thin margins, very competitive, it comes down to scale and global reach, and it's just very, very, very tough. And yet, when you look at the financials of Breville, they have just so consistently and, and significantly grown their earnings over time. Yep. They generate a 20% return on equity and have done so for a, for a long, long time as well. Um, they've got, for again, a manufacturer of, a, of toasters, uh, among other things, they've got net margins of close to 10%. So there's, even in, even in this COVID crisis, they reported that um, 32% revenue growth between January and April of this year. Wow. So it just, it really it boggles the mind. Um, the, the one negative about it is that it's, it's trading, as far as I can tell, on a P of about 42. So, so for a it, manufacturing for, business. For a manufacturing business of kitchen appliances. You yeah. know, it's not a software company that just scales really well with, yeah. you know, ever-increasing margins. Um, so, so uh, yes, it, it's got a great history. Yes, it's a great business. And yes, it looks as though it's set to, to continue to capture market share. Um, but there's a lot in the price, you yep. know, so that, yep. that is something to watch. And, and uh, so I would say it's very interesting. I'd need to do more work on it, but it does seem like a tad on the expensive side. Okay. All right. Michael, what do you the, reckon? The humble jaffle maker. I love yeah. <laughs> so good. But uh, who would have thought it could have been so successful, expanded yeah. into the US with great success. Yes. Um, a rare Australian business, if you like, that's done really well. 
uh, overseas. It's had some very good stewardship over the years. I think one of the biggest shareholders, if not the biggest, is Solomon Liu. Right. Um, and of Premier Investment fame. But this has by far been his best investment uh, in recent times. Um, they spend a fair bit on research and development. And obviously, they're starting to get a bit of reward for that, looking at the balance sheet, as you touched upon. Margins expanding, uh, return on equity very high, great numbers all round. But like you, I could never get that excited about it just because it is a basic manufacturing yep. good. Um, yep. So and, and manufacturing dead in Australia. You know, like that's it, that's what everybody says, supposedly. <laughs> Australians supposedly. can't manufacture anything. And it is... Well, maybe they manufacture in China. I don't yeah. know if they've outsourced that. So, I mean, look, they've got a great upgrade, but I would struggle to buy it, although the balance sheet does look great because those... Yep sort of overarching economics for that business in that industry, you would think isn't that appealing long yeah. term, even though they've proved everyone wrong over a five year period or 10 year period. Europe so, doing really well as well, 60% yeah. growth there in the most right. recent reporting period, so. Uh, they are, look, I'm, you know, I'll admit I'm not that comfortable in the kitchen, but even, <laughs> even I think the design of some of the Breville yeah. stuff is just pretty it's snazzy. Beautiful out there. stuff, yeah. Oh, it's just great looking stuff. All right, okay, that's my stock of the day. Uh, let's get in to your st- uh, 10 stocks now with uh, with Andrew and Michael. Um, first up, Michael, Tadcorp, uh, yep. the, the big gambling entertainment group, employs about 5,000 people, biggest provider of lotteries, Keno, wagering, gaming products and services. Yeah, so it's a multi-channel gaming provider. Obviously, yep. they've got the old school legacy networks, so all the different tab shop fronts, but also the online stuff. Um, but they're looking to sort of diversify their business model and modernise as well to try and keep up with some of those online uh, gaming sports betting companies that have really started to proliferate the market. Uh, for that reason, we can't get too excited about it because it does have some of those legacy businesses that are less efficient. Yeah. Um, and that's really been shown up recently. They've seen a big drop off in earnings with the, the COVID situation, basically hurting a lot of their, their venues, uh, their physical venues, which they operate from. So look, the problem is with that is long term, if there's less money getting around for the TAB, then the, there's less money around for the horse races that are out there. Uh, yeah. And it just creates a negative feedback loop in the medium term for us. So. Um, not too interested in it and prefer other players in that betting space, such as a points bet, for instance, an aristocrat, right. uh, even a, a jumbo interactive to some extent, which is one they recently signed a renewal yeah. agreement with. Yep. Um, but yeah, not, not a bad business, but it's got some parts of it that are going really well and others which are legacy assets that are struggling a little bit. Mm, okay. Andrew? Yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's a giant, $6.5 billion company. It's been around for ages, yeah. now merged with TATS. They'll be around for years and years to come. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll probably pay a dividend in most years, and over time that, that will rise. So it's, 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 it's far from an awful business, but it really hasn't delivered much for shareholders in the last 10 years or so. Um, so in fact, um, dividends and earnings more or less gone sideways over that, that entire period. Uh, 28-odd percent of their revenue comes from pubs, clubs, horse racing venues, and yeah. the rest of it, you've got, um, uh, I forget, the, but a not insignificant fraction from sports betting as well. We know what's happening there. So it's 7% net margins. It, it's, it's some, I think when you have a company like this that at best on average over a cycle is going to be sort of low single digit kind of growth, right. that's fine. But personally for me, I'd, I'd want like a pretty decent dividend yield uh, yeah. out of that. I think that's, that's, that's a really good metric to focus on for these kinds of companies. And it's just not that exciting uh, at the moment. In fact, uh, just to look it up, what are we looking at? We're looking at 
Uh, oh, I stand corrected. No, it's about 5% or right. so, which um, I'll, I'll, assuming they maintain that, of course. Yeah. But it's it's something that that's probably all you're going to get. If, if you were to hold this for the long term, expect maybe 5 to 10% yeah. per annum. So look, look at that five-year share price. It sort of goes laterally pretty well. The, the final dip, of course, is the, the March dip that came through. Yeah. Um, but so right, dividends aren't in that, of course. No, but, but that, and that's, a five percent dividend is it's pretty a, sweet. It's okay in a low interest rate world. Again, as provided you're, you're confident <coughs> that you still need I, I, growth is always important, yep. e- even for income companies. You know, otherwise you stagnate, you die, and yep. so they, they do need a bit of that. And it's just it, it hasn't been evident. There are these uh, headwinds um, that we're facing at the moment. So yeah, it's not not anything that's going to get me to it. Okay. So. All right. Tabcorp, uh, certainly, thank you for the suggestion, David. Uh, Tabcorp doesn't excite Andrew or Michael. Um, Andrew, does Appen excite you? This is a suggestion from Claudia. Um, it's in artificial intelligence. How do you, um, how do you explain? It, it provides the data for behind sort of Siri and yep. sort of Alexa, which is Amazon's one doesn't. Very think, big of. Silicon Valley companies yeah. Are, yeah. Are, their, are their customers. And, and AI is, is a super exciting space. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of hype in there, but there's a lot of legitimate hype yeah. behind all of that too. So what are they, they do the technology where if you speak to it, their technology translates it to the computer. What they do is they create what are called training data sets. So so to to make AI um, I, (laughs) you you, you need to feed it a whole bunch of data and say, this is a bee, this is a hammer, this is, you know, and and so humans have to look at images and note them and and they provide these training sets. And these things need to be refreshed as well. So it's it's quite a laborious process, but they've got a very big network, a very big, um, a very clever way in which they do all of this. And it's just too much hassle for Google and Apple and that to sort of do all of this themselves. They've got got the best in in class data. There's a whole bunch of adjacencies that they're broadening out to. It's done really well for us at Strawman. It's ranked number 10 amongst all of our users. Uh, In fact, it was first added to our index back in 2018 at $13 odd dollars or so and and still sits below the consensus forecast. So um, our members really like it. Revenue is up 48%. Uh, the most recent reported results, they've compounded at 56% over the last four years. It's a phenomenal growth. Yep, yep. And, and a lot of the characteristics of a software company where things scale, high margins, yep, global, global, big, yep. huge market opportunity, yep. big, significant position in that. You know, I don't think they've got any debt. They've got $100 million in cash. So it's got all these lovely boxes that it ticks. And then, of course, we come to that old chestnut um, in this in this current market of the price. And then you look at the PE ratio, yeah. and it's seventy one times, right. which is up there. So, if you thought Breville was expensive, <laughs> <on a> PE, <laughs> this is, it's, but it's a tech business. But but uh, unlike Breville, this thing is going at a much well. Breville's doing really well, but this is going at a much much faster rate and yeah. has a much much larger runway as well. So these these PEs looked expensive three years ago, and we've seen what's happened. It just those as the earnings rise, as the denominator rises, it brings that PE down. Yeah. So. It is, it is very much a, a bet on, on them maintaining their, uh, their market position and continuing to grow at these very high rates. But there's every chance that they will. Um, it's just going to be a very bumpy ride, but, but we do like it and we do see more value. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, it's a business that we've owned in the past, um, but we ended up selling it last time. It was around the $30 mark and it did very well for us over a long period of time, but they just taken on two acquisitions. One of them at the time, they seemed to have paid a lot for in a very, uh, a very expensive price for a business that wasn't really generating much revenue uh, called Figure Eight. Figure eight yeah. As it turns out, they managed to bed down those acquisitions and really extract some synergies from them. 
Um, but for us, it's actually quite a manual, laborious business for a tech company because oh. they need so many people. people. To, so the way to think about it is a, a, an automated, automotive vehicle, automated vehicle, they require uh, stop signs to sort of recognize stop signs. So you need thousands and thousands of people to tick off on all these charts. That's a stop sign. That's a stop sign. That way it gets programmed into the computer and the artificial intelligence right. picks it up, the machine learns it, and then every now, so for their, from then on, the car then can identify stop signs. So there's a lot of labor that goes into that, a lot of time that goes into that. So it doesn't necessarily have the same economics and scalability that many other tech businesses had. And on 60, 70 times earnings, that started to concern us a right. little bit at that price. Um, but it's a great company. They work, I think, with nine of the top 10 tech businesses globally. You know, your Facebooks, your, right. your Googles, all that so sort of stuff. So they're not tied into one big They're not supplier. tied in. They've, They've got, got a good diversity. breadth of customer base, which is very, very good. Um, and they are best in breed, basically, right. and they've managed to, as I mentioned, um, acquire these businesses, integrate them well, which has improved their video recognition capabilities, um, their audio recognition, all that sort of stuff. They're sort of best of breed. So it's a very good business, just very expensive in our view, just given some of the other tech options that are out there and some of the scalability of some of those other tech businesses. Because ultimately, although this claims to be a tech business, and it very much is, there is a big human element to it. Right, there okay. Is. There is a nice moat around it yeah. though too, isn't there? Because it'd be hard, even if we were given a billion dollars in seed capital today, yeah. for us to get together the resources and then generate those data sets, yeah. very long, laborious process. Right. Okay. So it's, yeah, so it's get, a nice edge. And it's constantly renewing. So the more data you can feed in, the better, but also it needs to be updated every three months, every six months. Right. And because yeah. they've got all these big data sets and they've got the people doing all this filtering through all that data, then it puts them in a good a competitive right. advantage. So who do you prefer in tech stocks? Uh, I mean, we've always been a big Altium right. fan, which yeah. has been struggling of late, just given some of the situations unfolding. Zero's been good very good it. to yeah. us. Elmo's yeah. an emerging one. Um, Ordinate is a smaller one that's yeah. looking quite good in a similar vein to Altium, slightly yeah. different but similar Agreed, vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. absolutely. All right. Um, thank you, Claudia, for that suggestion. That gives you a, a really good run through on uh, on Appen. Uh, Emma has suggested, uh, Michael, is this Orteco Minerals? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? They're a sort of mining exploration company with um, some a gold miner, gold resources in Canada. Yeah, so look, a smaller gold producer, um, or, or I think mainly, mainly it's an exploration company at the yeah. moment. They've had some very good results recently in one of their Canadian operations. The Pickle Crow um, Gold yeah. Project. Great name, is it? Very Canadian. So, sort of wild west name, yeah, that's, Pickle that's Crow. Right. And it's right <laughs> alongside an old abandoned gold mine uh, where they used to produce significant volumes back in the 60s. But the problem was back then the gold price was about $35 an ounce. It's now right. closer to 2000 So. Yeah. The, the grades have been particularly okay, not as good as they were back in the 60s. Um, they think that there's a pretty big, large-scale resource there. It's just a matter now of being able to extract all that gold from that location, get the infrastructure in, make sure they can get it out of the ground whilst the gold price is still high. So, look, it's, a, it's still a, a very risky proposition, but they have got a good resource. Mm. Okay. So, for us, look, we don't mind gold producers as a bit of a sort of hedge in the portfolio or an uncorrelated uh, position in the portfolio, but our preference are for more established producers. Right. We prefer the Australian gold producers as well because the, the falling Australian dollar gives them a double whammy effect when the gold price is moving higher. So Northern Star, Evolution, Saracen have been our preferred right. picks. 
but this is something higher up the risk curve, but yep. it seems like they're onto something half decent. Mm, okay, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, so definitely not a space that, that yeah. I play in. Um, but I can see why the viewer is interested. I mean, at the start of the year, it was like 0.7 of one cent a share. <laughs> yep. Now it's 17 cents. Yeah. Now what's that? 25 times, yeah. uh, 25 extra turn. It's phenomenal, and so that that captures the imagination. Michael's right. These guys are an explorer yeah. that have just found something. Now it's important to remember what they have is a patch of dirt with some assays that they've done in it. Now these assays are super encouraging, and this is why the share price has gone so high. Yeah. I wrote it down because normally I just poo-poo on these things straight away, but I thought no, I'll, I'll dig a bit deeper. So they reckon that there's 830,000 ounces of gold in this Pickle Crow project. So two and a half grand an ounce, uh, that's $2 billion worth of gold that's sitting under the ground for a company that at the current uh, market valuation is worth 274. So it seems like this is, this is still a steal. However, um, <laughs> you've got to get that gold out of the ground, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and, and let's assume a very generous margin there. You'd probably halve that by the time it's, it's, on, it's on the ground. And you have to shift phenomenal amounts of, of earth to get gold out. It's very, very dilute in the crust. So you've got about, um, I, I did the sums. Uh, I, went, I went down a bit of a nerd rabbit hole here. Um, there's 0.4 <laughs> of an ounce of gold in every ton of earth in this deposit. Right. So that means they have to move and filter and shift and remediate 2 million tons of dirt. Um, and again, they, I'm sure they can do that profitably. I'm yeah. sure they can. But what I would say to Emma is don't just get hung up on, wow, they've got this great deposit and it's worth all this money and the share price is going up, which is yeah. where most thinking starts and ends for this, for, for this kind of investment. What's it going to cost them to produce? How quickly can they do it? If it takes 20 years to get all of this yeah. out, and as Michael says, yeah. the price of gold's $800 an ounce at that stage. Yeah. It's a very different proposition. So and extremely it, high risk. It needs a lot of money to actually get the mine going, does it? So do they come back and raise keep more? Diluting and, shareholders yeah, existing. Keep diluting shareholders. I would, I would bet my left arm that, that there's more yeah. capital raising yeah. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, if say, say Emma got onto this at point one seven of a cent or whatever I'd take the bird in the hand. <laughs> and the, the, you know, the 25X take, bird in the take, hand. Take some profits. Yes, I, I would. <laughs> I'd be happy with a couple of those in your life, I reckon, yeah. <laughs> let alone. Phenomenal return. All right, there you go, Emma. That was a great discussion. Um, Scott has um, asked Michael for an opinion on Tyro payments. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a, basically an EPOS type business, yeah. isn't it, where they've got 32,000 business merchants that, that mm -hmm. use their platform. So the easiest way to think about it is when you go and you pay for anything at the corner store or the Woolworths or Coles, you can tap it on those machines. Yep. Uh, a big portion of those are Tyro. So they've right. got those cardless transaction FPOS terminals, if you like. Um, they've taken a lot of market share away from the large banks and they've done an incredible job in ramping up the number of merchants which use these, this particular technology. Um, initially, they targeted sort of small to medium-sized businesses, which was a good ploy by them because the margins on those businesses were a lot higher. Yep. Um, but the issue is going forward, there is competition in this space. There's another large player that's sort of you know, they're going neck and neck with them at the moment. I can't remember the name just off the top of my head. But essentially now, Tara is going to have to shift into larger merchants where the margins are lower. So they've got themselves in a bit of a, a situation at the moment where the COVID epidemic uh, or pandemic is putting a lot of downward pressure on the size of each transaction, yet the volumes of transactions are going up because people have been going to Woolworths, Coles, yeah. stocking up on their, their essentials. So 
The concern I have with this company going forward is that there's going to be a lot of natural tailwinds for them, but the mix of their earnings and mix of their profitability is probably going to shift and probably unfavorably from the smaller merchants to larger merchants. So it's getting a lot of positive uh, feedback at the moment. The market's responding quite well. It's recovered quite quickly from the, from the lows. And they've been very good in updating the market, but I am a little bit concerned long-term okay. about that changing shape of their business All operations. Right. Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Michael yeah. again. Um, it's, I mean, look, it, it has had phenomenal growth. Right? Yeah. It, it, is, it is behind only the big four banks in terms of market share. Um, about 10% market share. Morgan Stanley came out recently and said they think they can double that to 20%, which is great. Um, but it is all about the margins here. So they, they kind of, you know, if, if anyone can take a hit on their margins more than these guys, it's, it's the big banks. And yeah. they're probably sort of happy while they were fighting for scraps among some of these small SMEs. But as they get more serious and a more serious competitor, you know, they kind of live by the good grace of these banks just saying, yes, we're going to let you continue to charge these margins. We just undercut you. Uh, and, and a much more resilient yeah. business to, and, to and do that. And you can that. keep all the little merchants. We'll take the big ones yep. in terms of the banks, but if they've got to get into the big bank patch. And that's the challenge. So yeah. it's not just growing market share, which they look as though they've got great momentum and, and they've obviously got a good uh, product um, that, that people like, but but will that margin be maintained? If yep. your sales double, but your margins halve, you're kind of back to where you sort of started from. And that's yeah. the, that, that is the concern for me. The other thing is that they've historically had a real focus on retail, hospitality, yeah. health sectors. I mean, all of the sectors. I mean, you could only add tourism to that to really make it, <laughs> to make it special. So um, look, they, they, their transaction volumes for this year are expected to be about 15% higher. And yep. that folds into a, a 38% decline in April. Things have seemed to bounce back from there. But but there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and for all of this, you're paying almost eight times sales for this business. Yep. So it's 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 a, it's interesting, but I have I have that industry mm. concern and I, I think it's it's yep. too much in the price. Yeah, yeah. And the price is almost back to record heights despite yeah. all the uncertainty. Right. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Scott. Um, Andrew Brad wants an opinion on, is it Telex Pharmaceuticals? Telex uh, Pharmaceuticals. Um, really interesting business, and you hope they do well, mm. uh, because it's all about treatment of cancers and, and highly targeting radiation. So yeah. it's, it's not as invasive um, for cancer patients. Yeah, they're, they're doing great things. Yeah. Um, most biotechs are doing some wonderful things. Yeah. Um, again, just not, not to be too negative, but statistically there's, there's, there's a real lesson to be learned from sort of following this space for a while. And a lot of the things that we sort of get negative on in terms of miners relate and hold pretty true across to, to this sector as well. So, yeah. you know, a quick glance at the financials will tell you they've, they've got no earnings, that they've barely got any sales, although that is, that is changing. A few commercial uh, products that are out there um, they've got quite a bit of cash, $34 million at the last mm, quarter, okay. so they're, they're, they're reasonably well, well yep. cashed up. But the, the challenge is always there's, there's a million sort of regulatory hurdles, very important regulatory hurdles to get through, and that's very, very hard to do. And then there's the effective commercialization of that. And yes, things look promising. Uh, the business, uh, as far as I can tell, unless, unless I'm missing something here, is an astronomical 70 times sales, admittedly off an extremely small base. So they're, right. they're, 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 it's probably not as useful a measure as it otherwise would be. But it's, it just, you don't get extra points for difficulty in mm. investing. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and could you spend a few weeks on this and really get to know it? And maybe there's some value there, possibly, but there's just lower hanging fruit, right. uh, better risk reward out, yep. out there. Okay. Reminds me of a company called Surtex, um, which was a business that I actually was invested in personally going back a number of years. And 
it's a wild ride. You get yeah. the, the approvals, then you don't get the approvals, and they're conducting all these experiments and different hypotheses. They meet some of the criteria, they don't. So it's a very wild ride, but all for great and noble causes. Yep. Um, the problem is even once you do have a scientifically proven treatment, you've then got to go and you've got to convince the medical fraternity that this treatment is better than the existing treatment. And that's a long process, costs a lot of money, and there's a lot of sales involved in healthcare, a lot more than people realise. And by nature, many doctors, clinicians are quite conservative, so it takes them a long time to come around to your way of thinking. But essentially, there's a lot of cancer treatments out there. The idea is to try and move from a salvage therapy to a first-line therapy, and that does take time and a lot of research, a lot of development, and a lot of sales, to be frank. So although this business seems to be onto something, they've got a, they're well capitalized at the moment, they're only burning sort of, I think, a quarter of their cash each quarter, so they'll probably have to raise again in 12 months' time in order to keep this process going. So great business, but to stay the course can often yeah. be a long process. So those, those stocks, it's almost in the timing, is it? Yeah. You just want, you want the, the takeoff, yeah. which you never get, of course, and so you're always Wonderful when it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you want all the hard yards to yeah. be, then it becomes a simple decision yeah. rather than, oh, well, that's I, what they're all, am I going to A lot of them are angling for being taken over, to be acquired right. by a larger healthcare business mm. who has the resources, who can incorporate it into their suite of products and then provide them with the funding to go and market it. Because a lot of these yep. businesses on their own would never get to that commercialization phase. So okay. that's sort of what you're wishing for and that's All the right. optimal outcome. That's what happened with Surtex. Yeah. But there was, you know, it was up 50% down, 50% <laughs> in a day, up 100%. So it was like a crazy ride. Right, okay. All right, that's our, uh, thank you for that, Brad, for that suggestion. Um, that's our first five stocks that, that you've sent through to us, plus Breville, our Stock of the day, just to recap, uh, Breville, great manufacturer, doing great things, great return to uh, investors over a long period of time, but it's multiples at the moment are scaring Andrew and Michael off. Good stock to keep following if there's a big pullback in the market. Uh, Tab Corp, uh, as Andrew's saying, nothing much to get excited about there, uh, except probably the 5% dividend if they, they can maintain it. Um, so a no from Andrew on, uh, on Tab Corp for Michael. Um, he prefers others in the sector like PointsBet, Aristocrat, even, um, uh, even Jumbo Interactive. Uh, Appen, um, another sort of classed as a tech stock, but um, uh, has to employ a lot of people. Uh, Andrew likes it, uh, Michael a no. Uh, Orteco Minerals uh, could be onto something, the gold miner. Um, but uh, too hard to, to predict with the, the mines in, in Canada and it's not actually producing anything. It's just found some, uh, found some gold there, so it's a long way to go before they start reaping the benefits. Uh, Tyro, a no because of pressure on their margins going forward to keep growth going and uh, uh, Telex, uh, a no as well. Very noble cause, hopefully it comes good but it's a bit complicated as an investor to look at at the moment. Um, so there's the first five. Before we get into your next five stocks, um, just a, a bit of a pointer to the next hour. Gilead saw its stock uh, price shoot through the roof on news overnight of its COVID-19 trial, but you don't have to go to the US to find a potential coronavirus vaccine. A university team in Queensland has just begun human trials for a vaccine, and the team leader, Professor Paul Young, joins us on The Pulse to tell us how close they are to a cure. 
boy, that's a silver bullet everyone's going for around the globe at the moment. Um, this is really interesting because I think um, this project here, and they've started human trials, is one of only five um, that gets money out of the World Health Organization and some of those big institutions. So it's got a great reputation. Uh, Paul Young will be joining the Pulse at 1.40. That will be a fascinating discussion. All right, let's go on to your um, uh, second five stocks. Uh, Pantoro has been suggested by Vish. This is a gold producer. Um, has the Halls Creek gold project in the Kimberley and Norseman. And uh, Andrew, you're a bit of a fan of Pantora? Uh, I, I don't know it that well. Right. Again, just my, my inbuilt biases. Um, but oh, look, I had a quick look. Yes, you're right, they're producing. They've got 27 million of cash and gold there, so they, they're hopefully not likely to, to need to raise anytime soon. Um, but yeah, again, I, I would just encourage people Again, what people notice is the rise from seven cents to twenty-two, yeah. twenty-four cents. That's 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 what people have noticed. But you know, relate that back to the likely cash flows of the business, and, and frankly, that just takes a bit of work. So it's it's never something you're going to be able to glance at and know. Um, but that's what you have to do. And the people yep. who do, and there are people who do well in this space, yep. and that's what they do. So yep. it's 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 something that I'm yeah I'm yeah. not going to spend. So money. so Michael, these um, sort of smaller gold stocks, you could imagine their rise is just riding the coattails of the big gold miners, isn't it, as that, people say? Right. A lot well, of it's... if everyone's going up and there's momentum there, I might as well get on, basically. That's it? right, and it's probably accentuated a bit more with the news flow. Um, a lot of these companies are so dependent on updates about their drilling results, and I think, right. again, this company's had some drilling results recently, which has probably put a bit of a rocket under the share price. Um, Often it's any news will do. It doesn't even really matter how good those <laughs> drilling results are. Also, how well do the traders that are trading these things actually understand some of those geology reports? And my guess would be often not that well. So there's a lot of factors. But basically, any moves in the underlying gold price with these companies, these moves are accentuated rather yep. than some of the bigger players which are actually producing uh, and generating some good cash flows off their operations. Yeah, yeah. So stick with the big guys again. Stick, like I, I think so. I think you can probably evolution. copy and paste my comments from yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. gold player we had earlier, just with this business. Yeah. Even then, you've got to be careful. Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating industry because you know the, the goal of imagine if we had three of us had a gold business and we've got multiple reserves. So we're one of the big guys, yeah. and the price of gold goes up. I mean, what we do is we don't you don't tap the the really high grade stuff. I mean, we, we tap the, the lower margin stuff because now it's profitable and yep. maybe it won't be profitable in the future. Yep. So you get these really interesting situations where the gold price surges, but then the cost of production surges on that as well. And what's fine for us because we yep. keep our jobs yep. and keep our director yep. fees and the rest of it. But the, but the actual net profit growth isn't what you would expect. And it's good to have that, that really high grade stuff there on the side for when the gold price does tank, yep. you've got something that you can still continue to make, remain yep. economically viable. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to get a one-for-one one growth in the gold price yeah. isn't going to translate to earnings growth. Yeah. A lot of them are really hedged as well. So you'll yeah. see something like a Regis yeah. Resources, another gold player. Their chart's a lot more smoothed out than some of the other gold producers just because they've locked in their price forward a number of years right. or whatever it may be. So, so they, can, don't, they don't get the boom price, they but the they boom, don't get the bus fall price. as much yep. either. Yep. So you've got to definitely look into the, the business itself. I mean, Saracen's a great gold producer, two mines in WA, but they've had a a mining accident in the last couple of days and they're in a trading halt. So at the moment, yeah. the market's in a bit of a, a news vacuum as to how long the mine's going to be closed for. Obviously, it's a terrible accident and they've got to conduct their inquiries and reviews. Yeah. So there's those mine-specific things that can come up as yeah. well and really hurt you. Really good point. Yeah. 
All right, let's go from um, sort of little gold companies to something a bit more stable, I suppose. Smart Group Corporation, um, Michael, it's uh, one of these salary packaging, sort of novated lease, payroll yeah. sort of management groups. That's well. right. So the thing with Smart Group is they mainly focus on a lot of the the large industries and government-supported industries. So you think about your fireys, your, your teachers, a lot of unionised ah, right. workforces. Um, so you can understand that the demand is probably a little bit more consistent coming from those sectors and other sectors of the economy. Um, they have seen a drop-off in sales recently, which is probably to be expected given the situation we find ourselves in with COVID. Um, going back a couple of years ago, however, or a number of years ago now, back to the Labor government, there was talk of changing the recognition of some of these fringe benefits, if you like, um, which put a, a real sort of, put a downward pressure on the sector overall. Macmillan Shakespeare, Smart Group. Uh, it doesn't trade on very lofty multiples. It's got a fairly good balance sheet. It's well cashed up, but it's not a sector that I think I want to be exposed to, just given some of those regulatory um, headwinds that might emerge out of left field. Yeah, and when, when you've got a, um, a federal government trying to repair a balance sheet after this, yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to be a bit stingy in the, these areas, aren't they? <laughs> and Could that, crack down again. That's the risk. You live, you yeah. live by the good grace of, of the regulators and governments, and um, we've, we've seen that risk emerge, emerge before. I mean, when, when um, excluding that, it is, it is a very profitable business. The return on equities mm. here at 20%. Yeah. You know, growth wasn't great last year, but prior to that, they'd had a really big surge there. A good base of, of clientele in what you would consider more defensive sectors, um, which is nice. Balance sheet seems to be in okay shape. Um, the one thing that's kind of interesting, and again, I need to verify whether what their intentions are with dividends and the rest of it, but, but the P is only 12, according to Comsec, and a yield of 6%. So yeah. you, don't, you don't have to have too much growth to do well on that, um, yeah. do okay on that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's generally not my I think it's too. because of that regulatory yeah. overhead. Um, yeah, yeah. The market's just not willing to let it trade on too high multiples just because of that uncertainty factor. And yeah. I think you'll find Macmillan Shakespeare's a similar sort of situation. Seems very appealing on the multiple, pays a great dividend yield, but the market's just unwilling to recognise the, the yeah. potential complete upside. Yeah, which is fine. Just don't yeah. as an investor expect what they That's call right. multiple expansion. Yeah. Like don't yeah. think, oh, this deserves to trade at a 20 times uh, yeah. PE. Okay. No, All right. Not. There you go, Leslie. Thanks for the suggestion. Uh, Andrew has come up with the next uh, stock, Veeam. Um, I'd never heard of uh, Veeam before, but it's in marine propulsion and stabilisation systems of, of big motor yachts and ferries and uh, also in the defence industry as well, Andrew. Yeah, know? I hadn't heard of it before either, but um, they've, yeah, uh, propellers, gyroscopes yeah. for sort of luxury yachts and military vehicles, ferries, this kind of stuff. As I understand it, they've got some pretty pretty big investment they've made in R&D and manufacturing capacity. They're very um, automated um, uh, manufacturer, listed for three years. Sales have really grown well over that, that time. But mm -hmm. what's interesting is that the, the margins have really fallen away. So something is going on there. I don't know if it's right. competitive pressure or maybe costs have just been expanded for perhaps good growth reasons. I, I don't know, but that would be something to, to, uh, to dig into. Um, the PE is only 25 times, um, so well, I say only. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a 25 times, so you would you'd want to see that that fall in earnings be reversed um, pretty soon. 
pretty quickly. You can see from that chart there too that it, it seems to be fairly illiquid. There's not a yes. lot of trade yeah. going on, which is which is another risk. So. Um, not not an industry in an area I'd like, but I, if I was to dig further, I'd want to know where's their competitive advantage with their technology and their manufacturing. What's the market opportunity? What's the likely growth? And what 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 can we expect realistically to happen with margins? And, there could yeah, be a great story there. Those margins going, and I suppose yeah. you can't just look at PEs all the time. You can't. Can you? It's, it's, <laughs> the PEs are this great rule of thumb. It's just you can say a number and you can get an instant snapshot of it, but there are so many shades of grey in there, yeah, and absolutely. the devil is always in the detail. Yeah. I've uh, never heard of this business until uh, I had a look at it. Um, great looking yachts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wish I could have a couple of those. But yeah, it's a yeah. family run business, been going since the 60s, which I think is always a good sign when there's founder involvement. Yeah. Um, they've obviously got established networks throughout the industry. Um, they do have a, like a fairly large number of ve uh, vessels where they've got under contract. So it is a contract work, so it can be quite lumpy and probably. Um, creates that volatility in margins, creates the volatility in free cash flows. And apparently there's about 9,000 vessels in the addressable market. So if you mm. look at sort of seven, 800, they've got about it's close to 10% market share. Uh, it'll be interesting to know what is their competitive advantage? Why do people go with them? Uh, and that's something that I think you need to do a fair bit of work on to try and identify. But an interesting business, again, a manufacturing Australian company. Yeah. So it's good to see that we're still kicking uh, and, and giving it a nudge in certain parts, but yeah. I just don't know enough about the business to give it any yeah. credible buy yeah. rating. And it, it's, it, if it's really a liquid as well, as, yeah. as you say, and it's sort of, it's a family business that listed and, and is great. Um, that's terrific for the family, isn't it? And terrific for the business, but as an outside investor, um, makes it difficult to get yeah. out. Um, is, it a, is it a family business? You know, you've got, got to really know the family, don't you, to make sure, like it's a, Costa Group. Was it's, a it's, it's like a jockey play. Yeah, really. yeah. You're, you're, you're along for the ride, so you have to have a huge amount of trust in, in the confidence yeah. of these people. And make sure them. they've still got skin in the game. Yeah, and definitely. They've probably got too much skin in that. Whatever they want will happen. They've will got happen, such yeah. voting power, yeah. um, which can be a, a good thing, I suppose. But look, I think probably that what's happened is they wanted to free up a bit of the, their investment. Yeah. So they've come oh. to market, and which is yeah. good luck to them. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right. Um, thank you for that suggestion, Andrew. Um, Sean has uh, come up with our ninth stock. It's uh, Electro Optic Systems. Um, sounds really Star Wars type stuff. Uh, operates in the space and defence markets, uh, developing um, telescope and dome enclosures, laser satellite tracking systems, electro optic fibre control systems. You know, it sounds like something Donald Trump would be saying, we're going to take on China with this, and all our defence money is uh, going to go into it. Yeah, so, um, look, it's, a, it's very sci-fi. It's captured the imagination, I'm sure, of a lot of people. I've looked into it because there's just been so much hype and the share price has been going crazy, and all the key metrics look very good. Things like revenue, things like earnings growth, they've all been astronomical uh, and on paper they keep winning all these contracts or, or, or so it seems but if you look at the cash flow on this business it does actually raise a few questions that I think need to be looked into in a bit more detail um, again because a contract accounting can seem like you've got all these great revenues all these great earnings but then is the cash flow actually coming through right um, and with this business it appears not yet to be flowing through to the cash flow line so right. For mine, I'll wait and see. And I think what really reflected that recently is as soon as the COVID situation hit, this was one of the first companies to raise capital 
at a huge discount. And you're thinking, well, why is a business like this, which mm -hmm. seems to have a fair bit of cash on the balance sheet, that seems to be forming so well, got all these contracts locked in, why do they need cash so urgently? And because they don't really have any cash flow. Um, right. So they have to offer a 50% discount to their market mm -hmm. price. They have to raise cash urgently just to shore up their business. So I'm not sure exactly how they're recognizing these contracts and why it's not flowing through, but sometimes there's a very big lag between yep. recognition and then sometimes you only get paid upon delivery um, of the product and of these goods. So I'll just mm. be careful of this, although it does make exciting news. Yeah, and there's been right. some there's been some announcements from the Australian government about increasing defence spending. Yeah, and doing it with Australian role, companies. Exactly, doing it with Australian companies. So a lot of these companies have captured some of the warm glow of that, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, you, the, the cash flows will tend to lag the, the revenue recognition by, by quite some distance. Yeah. So um, although they are hopefully reliable payers in, in, in government, um, <laughs> it's, it ranks really well amongst our members. It's, it's number seven on Strawman. Wow. Um, they won a contract to build 251 of these remote weapon systems. Uh -huh. It's kind of very Terminator-esque sort yeah, yeah, yeah. of drone vehicles. That, yeah, I, th you, I th think I saw a photo of one, and it is on the back of a truck sort of thing, is that? You can that you thing? can sip your Slurpee in in <laughs> comfort, you know, while while you play play armies, and it's <laughs> it's um, and that, that's that's the way the world is going. You yeah. know, we've heard Morrison talk a lot about this big two hundred and seventy billion dollar, you know spend Tense here spending. talking yeah. about increased tensions and all of these things so it's a horrible situation really when, yeah. when you think yeah. about it being a citizen in, in this world of ours but but um, these guys look as though they're well placed to to mm. capture that Michael's right sales have grown really strongly up threefold or so um, uh, uh, sorry the, it's only on about three times sales or a P of 27 for a business that's grown mm. really rapidly is not is not that expensive, yeah. um, and uh, then balance sheet is now in, in better position. They need to they need to really um, deliver on all of this and win some more contracts and make sure that there's no problems with the deliveries that they have. But it looks very exciting. I don't hold it, but it certainly ranks well on on Strawman. Okay, all right. So uh, worth a look. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. Um, and I suppose it's um, and that Hong Kong research group that put out the report on Technology One this oh, week yeah. and, and shorted it, was making the, the point there of how do you recognise contracts? Uh, bring them into revenue, when do you bring them into revenue? Um, it got me thinking with a lot of these stocks and companies on the exchange, you don't really look into, you know, behind the announcement yeah. of, well, when are you going to get paid? It's, sort of thing. Sometimes it's a commitment that it's not actually guaranteed yeah. um, and then there's yeah. always dark arts yeah. the accounting firms as, old, as you keep saying you've got to know the business don't you? I'm, there's just no yeah, shortcut yeah. i'm sorry yeah, yeah. there's not you know it's that old saying profit is profit is uh vanity cash flow is sanity one of those things and, yeah. and and you really do if there is a mismatch there it's not as though every time there is a mismatch it's it's a it's a flashing red signal but but sometimes it is yeah. and you need to have a good answer to that yeah so. yeah okay all right uh, some wise words there sean view as you go into Electro optic systems, know what you're getting yourself in for. And our final stock, um, Andrew has said a number of times, and Michael, nothing to be excited about. Well, what <laughs> about a real estate investment trust called the Charter Hall Long Whale? Now, Wales stands for weighted length of lease or something weighted like that, is average it? Lease, lease expiry. expiry. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. what they do here, it's a real estate investment trust, but 
they only do leases to governments and big corporates that last for 20 or 30 years. So you don't get get to ride up and down cycles in terms of rents, but it's predictable, I suppose. Isn't it? it's, look, it, it's a lovely collection of assets. It seems to be pretty well managed. Yeah. You know, your growth is going to come from making sure you've got very high occupancy in those buildings, that the buildings get revalued, which they did recently at, at a higher level, and that, that continues to go along. It's, it's property investing, and, and um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's, it's all in the price with, with, yeah. with so much, but, yeah. but these in particular. So it's a 3.2% yield um, at this point in time, which is not awful. So if that's what your focus yeah. is, it's okay, but... This, uh, this is your classic defensive. Investment, That's right, isn't it, Michael? And I think in an environment where the banks have stopped paying dividends for a period yeah. of time, um, investors need to start considering their options. And for a lot of people, something such as this, um, the Charter Hall Whale Fund, will give them nice, steady, stable income stream uh, at a time when other parts of their portfolio might cease to pay dividends. They do have some high-quality assets. Uh, one, for example, is they own all the Telstra, not own, own a lot of the Telstra exchanges um, and Telstra have these 20, 30 year leases. I think the average or the whale of that particular wow. portfolio of Telstra assets is about 20, 25 years. So those sort well, of brick things yeah, that you're... basically in suburbia wow. and, and obviously okay. they've got some modern ones in the industrial centers, etc. Um, but it's again, a guaranteed stable yeah. client who's going to provide you with a stable growing income stream index yeah. to inflation. I don't think you can expect it to shoot the lights out ever but it's a, a good quality bunch of assets. But, but whereas a lot of investors are saying, oh, I don't want these um, shopping centre REITs yeah. or commercial property because everyone's got to be working at home, this is the most conservative of the well, REITs, think, isn't Yeah, it? that's the right. Most, it's very well, long would term. Would that be a way of describing it? Very long term. They still do have a bit of retail facing uh, in, uh, investments. It is quite diversified. So they've got a lot of industrial sort of stuff. They've also got a few... BP petrol stations, for right. instance. Okay. Um, so they do have a, a mix of different real estate assets, um, but it is to, uh, to be the, it tends to be the more conservative yep. stuff with longer term leases and big tenants. Okay. All right. Let's just recap the uh, final five stocks: uh, Pantero, Ano, Smart Group, Ano, Veeam, Ano, Electro Optics. Um, no, from uh, Michael, but uh, Strawman quite likes it and has done well out of it, uh, that community. And look, if you want a solid, stable, um, defensive stock, then the Charter Hall Whale is um, um, is probably worth considering as well because it is it is so stable. Um, Andrew, Patreon Strawman, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kosh. Uh, what, what's been floating the boat of the Strawman community at the moment? Uh, well, I, I, I'd be killed if I didn't mention Pointera, um, yeah. which I quietly mentioned. Humble brag to you guys uh, before the show. It's a company that does geospatial mapping. It's yeah. a big explosion in data sets there. It's one of these country uh, companies. It's a very small Aussie company, but is a genuine market leader in this very mm. fast emerging space. So. Bevan Slattery, a famed tech investor, got on board recently and right. the market decided that shares are now worth double what he paid for it in the space of a day. So wow. very small caps uh, stock, um, definitely still got some risks. Uh, cash flow negative at this point in time, although very much on the cusp. Um, might be a little up there now, but 
we like it as a business. We yeah. think it's got good potential. Yeah. Really under the radar. Michael, what about um, your client? Struggling to get too excited about the market at the moment, just leading yeah. into earnings season. Um, but one business that we do like that's come back a fair way is Ordinate, A-D-8 oh, is yeah. the code. Yeah, it's a great business. Uh, so basically they have components which go into audio, visual equipment, um, and basically cut out the need for cords yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But they're, um, they're the... They're the global standard, aren't they? They're the global standard. So a good way to think about it is, you know, Bluetooth is Bluetooth. But imagine if Bluetooth was a company and that was listed. It's essentially a component which allows different um, high-end audio equipment to connect Mm. with each other without that need for the cords. But it's it's incorporated in all the the electronics globally. A lot of the large businesses use their components uh, in order to improve the efficiency of their audio equipment. So that's a business that we think is quite good. We feel as though it's probably been getting a little bit of negative pressure because of what's been going on with the Altium share yeah. price and the Altium updates in that people are just a little bit concerned that a lot of the volume of some of these uh, electronic equipment isn't as high as it once was. Right. But we think long term it's in a very good business. Yeah. Ordinate's big and straw man. It is. Yeah, it's, done, it's yeah. done very well for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, Go and have a look at the straw man site as well, strawman.com. That's it, just.com. Just.com, just just com. Com, yeah. we're, we're, we're global in our ambitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and catch up with my daddy and as well. Gentlemen, thank you for that. Good to Thanks see you. Thanks very much. And um, if you want to send us any suggestions for stocks to look at in the next week or so, sorry if it takes us a while to get around to them. I know people get a bit antsy and follow up with the email, say, why didn't you cover this stock? We do get a lot of suggestions. Um, Email the call at ausbiz.com.au or via Twitter using the Ausbiz TV handle. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.